Welcome to Tim Stodds FM, where each week we discuss new ideas and tactics to help you succeed in business, relationships, and life. And now your host, Tim Stoddard. Hey, what's up, everyone? My name is Tim Stoddard. Welcome to the Tim Stodds Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. My guest this week is Igli Latchi. Igli is the creator of Equity Breakdown, which is a weekly newsletter that provides a no-bullshit breakdown of public companies. Igli's newsletter is a very high-level publication. He does a ton of research, and he provides more perspective and analysis on public companies than any publication I've ever seen. I really love his newsletter. I was so excited uh, when I reached out to him, and he said that he would join me on the podcast. I've been following his newsletter for some time and uh, to find out that he actually listened to my podcast and that he knew who I was. uh, It was a really cool moment. Um, I loved this conversation. Igly and I are very similar. Uh, We believe in investing and we believe in what the future of investing will look like. Uh, We went in depth. We, We talked about these ideas of this concept of big ideas, which is where Um, the equity breakdown thesis more or less is heading. Uh, We talked about some of the industries that that Igly likes to write about. For instance, he did uh, three breakdowns on different companies on the the electric vehicle market. Uh, And then finally, we ended with the space industry. I admit when I look back at this portion of the podcast, anytime somebody talks about space, I just get a little bit too excited. Um, And so (laughs) I wasn't the best interviewer at this uh, particular part of the podcast. But you know what? Uh, He and I had a really, really great time talking about this industry, uh, talking about the exciting frontiers in public companies and and where we're heading. And then finally, uh, I'll I'll touch on this in the intro because it made me feel really good. Uh, Igli and I both believe in the concept of open markets and public markets creating a greater good for our society. It's a scary time. Uh, it's very easy to feel overwhelmed and anxious with just all the information that is flooded towards us and all the doom and gloom that we hear about every day. But uh, when I when I talk to guys like Igly, I'm reminded that there is a bright future and that there are really, really smart people that are trying to build amazing things for the betterment of humanity. So I'm looking forward uh, to publishing this. I know that you guys are going to enjoy the conversation and please help me welcome Igly Latchi. Igly, we're recording, my friend. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Thank you for having me, Tim. I'm looking forward to it as well, and uh, glad uh, we can make this happen. Me too. So I start all of my podcast episodes as of late with the same question. I want to know about your Twitter background. Perfect. Uh, So my Twitter is my name, actually. So there's not much creativity that comes from it, Uh, but uh, specifically... You know, I haven't been on Twitter. I haven't been involved on Twitter for a while uh, until I decided to start uh, Equity Breakdown. Uh, And that, uh, in fact, I was actually not too familiar with the Twitter community. And I've been uh, amazed to see the connections you can build as well as uh, just the community that grows uh, depending on your thoughts. I think they can be both positive or negative as all social media is. Uh, But so far, thankfully, it's been positive on my end. and. Equity breakdown, as simple as the tagline states, wanted to keep, keep it very nice and simple where, where it's short, no bullshit overviews of public companies. Um, and it's something that uh, I think uh, sticks uh, towards what I'd like to create in the future. So um, that, that sums up that, that, uh, that Twitter feed. Beyond that, it's just my name, Igli Lanchi. So very simple. Yeah, I'm always more interested in the actual background picture of it. Um, and yours is more or less just a representation of, of the brand that you're building. And so let's just jump right into it. We got introduced because I think maybe you reached out to me. I reached out to you. I had shared your newsletter a bunch of times. My father is, we're like pretty blue collar. My dad's the first American, you know, so he's getting introduced into the stock market. And I was very lucky that a friend of mine, when I moved to Florida, a business partner of mine, he just came from a different culture for better or worse, he, you know, was Upper East Side Manhattan, just understood that money wasn't a thing that you collect, that money was like a tool that you use. And so um, 
if it weren't for my best friend, I, I probably never would have gotten involved with understanding just leverage and growth and scale and all of those things that in my opinion, blue collar side of America just doesn't get their mind around. So, so all of that to say um, is I found your newsletter. I really, really love it. I love the simplicity of it. Um, And the, the first question is why, like, what's your background? How does somebody, a, a young guy like yourself decide one day, I'm going to start writing highly, highly researched, highly detailed, like bullet pointed topic by topic newsletters about public companies. How does that even come into fruition? Yeah. So uh, the background stems a little bit and my desire behind it uh, starts foundationally from my upbringing. Uh, so originally I was born in uh, Albania uh, Tirana, Albania specifically. And, uh, you know, the, we decided to immigrate, my family decided to immigrate uh, around 1996. So it was one of the last communist uh, countries in the Eastern Bloc uh, to finally transition. So you were 10-ish? Um, ish, I, was, I was six. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a 90, 90 kid here. So I was, I was uh, or I used to be a kid. <laughs> uh, and now it's, it was during that transition period that we decided to come here and mainly, you know, America was considered to be uh, the uh, hope for everyone in terms of opportunities. Yeah. Um, and not that my family was, uh, you know, leaving specific opportunities back home. They were very established. My mom was a, a principal and my father was actually a chief economist, which stems my, my uh, desire for us to be, uh, especially for me to be involved in, in finance and actually led to my trajectory from a career perspective as well, too. And, and coming here uh, was the opportunity there. And, you know, of course, building uh, a business for yourself, these are all brand new concepts that did not exist uh, in the world that my parents grew up in. Uh, especially in a world where the government essentially centralized everything and mm-hmm. managed everything and opportunities were built from that type of ecosystem. Uh, the fact of an entrepreneur building an enterprise on himself, that those ideas did not exist at all. Um, so coming here, you know, similar to what you just shared about your uh, background in terms of that blue collar type family, um, investing was a pretty foreign concept. Uh, the concept of working hard, uh, that was drilled into the DNA uh, for both of my parents, uh, especially building a future from scratch with nothing uh, in their pockets. Uh, so that was a very gruesome process, but very rewarding process towards the end. And also beyond that, uh, the, the concept of saving and, and budgeting was a very strong principle in the family. But the investing component was a, was a, was a foreign idea. Um, that it's very hard to drill down, especially if you're not uh, introduced to those concepts early on. Um, so hence, when I started my college experience, uh, I actually started as a civil engineer and uh, decided to pivot immediately uh, to uh, finance and economics afterwards. Um, since I had a desire for math and I always felt that uh, it was an important uh, component and, and also from a job trajectory, very secure path. Yeah. Uh, and I've been doing that after I graduated uh, Southern Methodist University here in Dallas. Uh, I've been doing that for about seven years. So I started my career in PepsiCo, corporate finance. Uh, so performance analysis, revenue management uh, in the CPG world. And then finally jumped into um, a company owned by a private equity firm called PrimeSource. And that's where I built the pricing and finance function team from scratch. It was a group of us that decided to build something uh, within a corporate structure. Um, but in all that mix, uh, I still came back to how do I manage my wealth and how do I get more educated from an investment perspective? And it's crazy to think that you finish finance uh, and, and then you jump into the corporate world and then, you, and then all you resort to are your 401k uh, plan as your, as your investment options. And that's it. And I have plenty of friends who even have MBAs that also resort to that. But specifically now, as tools have become more advanced, uh, with Robinhood and all these other components where trading has been less, you know, there's less friction involved. I think people now are jumping into that moment of, hey, actually, I think I can potentially control my wealth rather than depend on, uh, you know, use passive income as one element. And why should I trust another individual to act on my behalf for their own incentives when I can educate myself and personally grow? And that's what sparked 
uh, equity breakdown initially. So, uh, which jumped jump into what I wanted to create. Um, and that, that was like the fundamental uh, upbringing of, hey, I want something that isn't too convoluted with, with, uh, with the finance jargon, I isn't too analytics, but uh, can also offer uh, some, a starting simplistic nature to just bring about curiosity. Wow, there are so many directions that we can go with this. Let me start by saying that you have absolutely achieved your goal with that. It's a simple structure that insinuates curiosity. There's not hyperbole involved. There's no jargon. There's no, what do you say, like pitching, right? A lot of times your finance people mixed into the language in which they deliver their message is like a subliminal route to why this is a good company to invest in. And yours doesn't do that. Yours just, I mean, just like it's called equity breakdown. You just break the shit down. Exactly. So, so if you're, th- this new wave of investment culture, I think about this a lot because I think a lot of it has to do with just the way that we have to live. There's no such thing really as a pension plan anymore. There's no right. such thing as, getting a factory job at Ford and having a home and riding out a 30 year mortgage. It's just, it's not the way we live. And so in a lot of ways, um, I think that in the same way that we're building all digital brands for ourselves, like we're investing in the future of, of ourselves, of what our identities are going to be. And I know it's kind of a big heady concept, but I feel like this word investing has gotten really inundated with our society, especially young people, you know, let's just call it millennials and below, but that's a generalization, but whatever, let's just, let's just state that. So whether you're investing your money into stocks, whether you're investing into like an S and P, whether you're investing into your digital brand, whether you're investing into like your social media, right? We we're almost forced to do this because there's no, there there's, if you just sit still the way that money and growth and like the, the rate of our society moves, there's just no way that you can keep up. So, so I I guess I'm interested in your thoughts on what this new world of investing means from like a larger context. Yeah. I think especially with, with technology and the way that it's allowed us to become more uh, active participants in this element, it just opens up a world of opportunities and, uh, when you think of investing uh, beyond just you know buying a stock at a particular company, it's about wealth generation at the end yeah. of the day, and you know you can certainly divide that in many concepts. Uh, and you, you can go in the route of, hey, I'm just going to try to earn more uh, than I spend, which is one component. Uh, then the other element would be all that savings I've I've actually accumulated. Um, now, how do I allocate that? Do I do more of the passive investment, which is you know your typical index funds, 401ks, uh, or ETFs, uh, or do I also now jump into more of an active uh, participant and, and focus on specific companies and opportunities? And I think none of those are wrong answers. In fact, it should be a combination of all of them. And that's how I think about investing. Um, it, it's just like when you invest in, in developing skills beyond just the monetary component, um, it's wealth accumulation uh, be personally, and then also holistically in terms of your objectives from a, from a monetary perspective as well. And, uh, and it's a powerful tool. And I think a lot of us can get distracted easily with all the, uh, the noise that comes from and, and the lure of, yeah. of, of that investment as quickly as possible. Through the moon! <laughs> this wonderful stuff, which is, which is fun. Say that you know any of that is wrong by any means. Every person has their personalities and the way that they want to approach uh, specific strategies uh, and investment uh, goals that they have in mind personally. Um, so a little gambling here and there doesn't hurt at all. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, you, I can I equate investing to long-term wealth generation, and that's the concept that I like to think about. Um, and it's a, it's a learning process because if it was easy, I know everybody says this, um, hell, everyone would be an investor, but it's not because it plays into a lot of elements personally, psychologically, uh, as well as, uh, just, you know, living with those ideas you built in and seeing them to fruition over years to come. 
Definitely psychologically. I, do you know who Professor Galloway is? Do you follow him at all? I do not, no. He's, he's cool. Sometimes he's like a little bit too liberal idea for me. I would consider myself left if that matters, but he's, okay. in, terms of, um, in terms of just his overall view of the finance structure, I, I think in that sense, I lean a little bit more towards like individuality. You know, like okay. everybody should, should really take care of themselves. But what I'm trying to make is he was, um, he, he had this viewpoint on the GMEs and, and the uh, AMD and, and just <laughs> the rocket ship to the moon. And the fact of the matter is I was doing some research because he had some kind of statement on CNBC or some, some shit like that about uh, just how dangerous it really is. And it's a lot of fun. And like, yeah, it sounds cool because the retailers are like sticking it to the man. Right. But at the end of the day, just as always, when things inflate like that, there's going to be a couple people at the very top that win. And then all these other people that are riding the rocket ship, they're all going to lose their money. And yeah. so it's so tempting with social media and screenshots and everybody with their emojis to think that there's an actual play there. But um, the end point I'm trying to make with this is with all the research I was doing, 80% of day traders lose their money. And it's just, it doesn't like, that doesn't seem like good odds. It's not. And I have personal friends who love day trading as well too. And uh, it's a, it's a roller coaster. I get one day, especially when everything else is blowing up out of proportion, I get a hundred texts. And uh, this past week I haven't got one text. (laughs) Yeah. What's up with Tesla? (laughs) I know it's, uh, it's crazy that you mentioned that. Uh, And you know, it, it comes down to at the end of the day, how you want to uh, approach uh, and, and move forward with that, w- w- with controlling those temptations. And don't get me wrong, like I'm sitting here and I fundamentally believe that, hey, you want long-term wealth uh, generation, you can certainly find companies and picking companies is very hard. And, and I'm not gonna pretend like I'm a, a, a top tier investor. I have finance backgrounds, but uh, I have never, jumped in to say, yeah, let me invest heavily in this particular company just because my nature of my career didn't put me in that direction. But now that my desire is there, you can certainly find fundamental companies, especially if you've worked in one and you understand how things operate and how hard it is to get things moving and changing when you're dealing with human beings. Uh, you realize if I put my money, park it here for a while, it actually can pay off. And, and over and over again, research has proven that. Um, and, and as you go down to, hey, if I get tempted. I, and I'll be honest, like I, I had a buddy who got in at GameStop at a very low price, came out very victorious at it. And I'm, I'm sitting back and I'm thinking, man, I wish I would have put some of my equity breakdown skills to test here if I would have thought about this company long beforehand. But it is what it is. And there's plenty of opportunities out there at the end of the day. Absolutely. I didn't plan on, on taking this route in the conversation. Truth be told, I want to talk about equity breakdown a lot more. And um and there's one feature, first of all, thank you so much for that insight. Uh, I always love just, <laughs> I just love talking about that because it's hysterical, but it's also a real sign of the times with what I'm talking about, where it's right. like every person is out for themselves at, sure. at this point, because there's not a whole lot of, like I said, the long-term pensions and the 401ks, they can actually be aggressive enough to even keep up with the inflation, right? So it's, uh, right. it's interesting to talk about, but- um, okay, so let me transition. The last two articles, at least the free ones, I'm not sure if they were paid ones, have been really, really specific to uh, EVs, to electric vehicles. And more particularly, when people think of electric vehicles, they always think cars that you drive around. But the real problem, and I think the real growth of innovation is going to be what you were writing about, you know, UPS trucks, freight. FedEx trucks, the cars that are just the cars and vans and trucks that are on the road continuously doing shit. Um, And the companies that uh, I I totally forget what they're called. I had them in my newsletter. So, um, so please jump on that. Proterra. Proterra was one. And what was the other one? Arrival was the other. Arrival. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. So uh, forgive me, I'm getting a little bit long winded with this, but are you looking to focus on energy companies in your newsletter? Was that just the timing that you saw those two electric vehicle companies? Are you interested in batteries? Why, why such a trend there? Yeah, so the way I'd like to, and this was more of me thinking about uh, how I want 
equity breakdown to evolve. Um, so initially when I started, it was mainly picking up companies that I found interesting. And I said, okay, this would be a good company, mainly because of my personal curiosity. Let me jump in and uh, figure out what this company does, break it down. They, I see a lot of chatter around in, in the social communities as well as through uh, formable uh, news outlets. And I said, let me figure this out and, and do that. And then I said, you know, I'd like to create more theme-based breakdowns. And, uh, and, and also it stems from my idea of, uh, I call people now, uh, at least my, the, the subscribers and the followers I have considered time investors. Uh, and, and, and as a time investor, I, I'd like to uh, take that knowledge and say, okay, you know, owning, when you invest in a company, you own a specific company. But before you make that decision, it's important to understand the landscape you're operating in. And uh, the way I started off this year was I like to do things a little bit more theme-based. So I started off with the EV market uh, and did more of an EV industry breakdown to figure out, okay, you know, it's a, it's a very uh, up-and-coming market. It's going to be very supported, especially with the current political environment and uh, the current social environment uh, as well uh, to combat climate change. Um, so it's prime to um, have a, a growing evolution that's necessary uh, for the sake of society here, as, as we've mentioned. But uh, at the same time, just like with any market uh, that's hot, uh, there's gonna be a lot of players that come in and very few will come out successful. So to really understand where to focus your efforts, well, I said, let's understand the value chain uh, of the EV market, starting from the actual raw materials, uh, the rare earth materials that are uh, critical to actually supplying this entire industry, um, to actually the production of these particular products, specifically batteries, which is where majority of the cost lies in any of the EV creators at the moment. Uh, and then uh, the, the actual manufacturing scaling of these particular products. And then finally, to circle the economic cycle or the supply chain cycle back, the recycling of some of these components, specifically the batteries, uh, into the mix. And there's a lot of technology out there, um, far more advanced than I could understand. I wish it's one of those things where I really enjoy trying to dig in and, and really grasp the, the advancements that are happening. Um, but from an investor perspective, I said, okay, let's step back here and figure out where do we focus our efforts the most. And Tesla is an amazing leader. They've done an amazing uh, job uh, and they're led by uh, very, uh, very unique individual that we all know of and respect and uh, in some cases worship. <laughs> but uh, uh, with that knowledge, you say there's going to be other players and consumer vehicles is very tough. Um, and I think about myself as a consumer too. Like when I go and shop for a vehicle, okay, I'm not as passionate uh, towards cars as some of my other friends. So I can buy a vehicle in five minutes if I was given the opportunity but others will spend considerable amount of time and they have their preferences. So to compete with Tesla will be very difficult. But from a commercial vehicle perspective, uh, you remove those nuances and those consumer preferences and your main focus is total cost of ownership. Uh, specifically, if you're a big company like UPS or FedEx uh, or any other um, enterprise that's focused on their bottom line and keeping costs as low as possible. So you wanna integrate into this market at, you're gonna be supported by the government because it's a, a key initiative and Biden has made it very clear in his speeches uh, and, and the administration at whole. And then you say, okay, these, what players around these components will stick out? And that's where Arrival and Proterra um, were, were good candidates that I, I thought I was very interested to just understand and, and break down. So that's the thought process that I, uh, I actually encountered. Yeah, I thought that was so much so. I'm actually realizing that I, I printed the arrival one out. Yeah, um, I'm old school. I like to read online, but then if I can actually take notes, it's around there somewhere. Yeah, and I can pull it up here too. If you want. Well, it, it doesn't really matter. I'm yeah. kind of holding up the conversation. Forgive me, but what I thought was so interesting about that is from a regular person, a top level perspective, you just think, okay, somebody's going to create commercial cars. But then when you really, really get into it, you see all of like the sub levels of what it takes to create these things. And I was thinking in a lot of ways, what Tesla 
Mike could be doing is treating themselves as a tech company because what's the possible network effects around battery vehicles? It's the charger, right? And I think if there is one spot where they've really got the jump because that, that doesn't count with, um, with combustion, uh, combustion engines because a gas station is a gas station. It doesn't matter who owns it, right? But in the same way that if you go to Europe, they have those different outlets, which is different in America or in the same way that Apple kind of is starting to like take network effect on the USB. Um, I was thinking that that charger really could be the thing that makes Tesla have to be the go-to because if you want something other than Tesla, you have to create a whole nother charging system. And so then I'm thinking about that and then I'm thinking about the EV stuff and, and what is it going to be with that sub level that either UPS or FedEx, I was reading some Apple maybe was combining with Kia because they wanted to get involved with, with FedEx, something like that. Like in your opinion, with all the research that you've done Mm -hmm. um, and you broke down the manufacturing routes, you broke down the availability for some of the raw materials that it takes to make these batteries, Uh, even some things with like the, the factory lines with where they can put their facilities for a uh, more smooth, um, process and workflow out of all of the things in this EV market, because I'm so interested in it. What do you think is going to be that one battle that the winner has to win to get to that scalability? Yeah. And it, and it comes down to, I, I boil it after researching both of those companies, a common, uh, some common traits I found between the two. Um, and, and also very similar to what Tesla's approaching. So, uh, at the end of the day, it comes down to uh, controlling your entire or trying to maintain control of your supply chain. So majority of these EV companies, especially the ones that come out, uh, they depend on two components. So you usually have very large battery suppliers uh, that come out. Uh, LG Chemical is one uh, from uh, South Korea. Uh, and then you have uh, some concentrated in China as well, too. Uh, uh, and then those compo- those particular players supply majority of the ba- batteries to uh, these electric vehicle companies. And beyond that, majority of these other uh, majority of these other uh, companies they have to depend on partnerships with large uh, existing car manufacturers who already have the factories, who already have the capital infrastructure to scale. Well, that's a dangerous game to play, in my opinion, because I don't think Toyota. Honda or Nissan are going to sit around and uh, while they are producing enough revenue right now uh, within the existing landscape that they live in with the combustible engine, uh, they are not going to sit around and wait for these other small players to suddenly come in and take away their market share. Um, So this partnership in a way is a transfer of knowledge the way I see it. Um, Beforehand, you'll have a Volkswagen and they, they already have their EV components creating and they already have the infrastructure to scale. Um, what they're looking for is more of the advanced technology platforms that could put them at a level to compete with Tesla. Because what Tesla's done is unique in that con- concept of uh, they're investing in producing uh, battery cells in-house. Um, they're also uh, achieved a good amount of scale with their gigafactories. Uh, and then on the other component, uh, they don't depend on dealerships to sell their vehicles. It's a direct consumer relationship that they've established. Uh-huh. Uh, on top of the fact that they're also uh, with, with their software integration, the miles that they've driven, uh, all that data is the future right there for actually autonomous networks to develop. So take all that knowledge and now apply it to the commercial vehicle space. And you think about which players already have prototypes, which is a key component here, uh, can potentially scale and they don't have to depend on uh, existing car manufacturers to make that happen. Uh, and then at the same time, are they investing in the technology to control that entire supply chain process to give them a competitive advantage, make it difficult for other players to come and play? Um, and between the two, you know, uh, a rival operates a little bit different. I would say their key component is the concept of micro factories. Uh, and we'll dive into that one a little bit more. But Proterra, um, these guys, they've been making buses and they've already delivered electric buses. So this isn't a prototype. This isn't a hype or a potential partnership. They already have miles 
uh, that they've been putting into play with their vehicles that they've already sold. Uh, and on top of that, they're heavily investing in building partnerships uh, to establish uh, technology in-house domestically for battery cell manufacturing uh, and, and then expand beyond that. So they're securing their distribution component, which is key to success. And they're also securing their technology IP component, which is also another important concept that will stick out. And they already have miles out on the road. They're driving their vehicles. Uh, the customers are very happy with the product. Um, so that sets them apart. And I would say those are the common similarities that really drive success from a commercial vehicle perspective. And if you're Amazon or if you're another big delivery like UPS, you want to understand where, how can I scale as quickly as possible uh, to make sure I combat the carbon footprint, get the benefits from the government as quickly as possible, and what company out there already has proven this to me? And there are very few that can claim that right now. And those that can, I think, have a first mover advantage in the market. So it's all about making the batteries. Yeah, so it, it, on top of that, uh, you know, the batteries is one of the key components because it's a, it's a weakness. Um, and then you, when you mentioned the charging uh, component as well, having the infrastructure, right? Uh, so in Europe, you, met, you made a good point. Uh, there's actually standardization and in, in charging infrastructure in Europe. And surprisingly, if you go to Norway or Sweden, they're way ahead of their uh, specific targets when it comes to transforming their, their EV industry. In America, uh, we don't have standardization on that infrastructure component of, of a charging stations. Tesla has built a good network across the country. Um, and then you also have these other specs that are coming to play. ChargePoint is, is another one that comes to mind where they're building these. Um, but if you think about it, uh, that's another way that has to support the growth. And Proterra, surprisingly, not only do they have their vehicles, but they also build their own charging stations. To, to allow for a multitude, I think it was on my report around 40 vehicles where they can charge uh, to, to essentially scale their production. So they're taking the full end-to-end -end solution, which is uh, very unique. That's so fascinating. It's like, it's like I said before, there's just all the subcomponents of it that you don't think about it. Like, yeah. so I like Audi. Um, because I like torturing myself, but more than anything, I just, years ago when I was poor and didn't have any money, I saw an A5 drive by and I said to myself, I need that car and I'm working as hard as I possibly can until I got that car. So now I have an A5 and it's like, it's still, you know, when you drive it off the lot and it's like not as fun as it was 10 minutes right. ago when you had it, that hasn't happened to me. I still walk out every day and I'm like, fuck yes, I love my car. But, um, point is. Audi's got some cool electric stuff going on and they just released, I forget what it's called because, you know, German cars already ha always have like numbers and symbols for their cars. I can never remember right. it, but the electric Audi is awesome. Yeah. The problem is that in America, there's no interoperability for the plug. And so I'm thinking to myself, all right, I get this car and I'm going to make my entire life more difficult because of all the hoops I have to jump through just to charge my car all the time. And so then you think about that and you think about that with buses right? Yeah. And you think about entire city structures. Like I'm from Philadelphia and the public transportation structure in Philly is called SEPTA, Southeastern Pennsylvania Transportation Authority. And so I think like, okay, if one of those companies, a Proterra, inks a deal with SEPTA that says like, not only can we sell you the buses, but we can sell you the entire charging network, which yeah. we can implement into your city and grid it out so that it matches the bus routes that are already built for highest um, efficiency to move people around. Now with that one, it sounds simple. It's not simple, but it's a simple concept. With that one concept, Proterra as opposed to Arrival, I'm not saying this is the case, I'm just using them as examples, has like a nationwide advantage all because of the interoperability of a, of a plug. <laughs> and yeah. So it's wild, you know? No, for sure. And, and that, that's what's going to set them apart um, 
or, or any commercial vehicle that's able to offer those solutions. And, you know, there's always technology workarounds, especially even when it comes to the plug. And there's always been that debate, like, do you establish an infrastructure like you have gas stations uh, or do you uh, also utilize in-home uh, charging solutions as well too? Um, and then you have adapters as well to, to, to be compatible depending on how you build these charging infrastructures, regardless of the car uh, type as well to play into the, into the mix of things. But all of that is critical um, to ensure the scalability of any of these. And, and that's why I stuck with the commercial vehicle space because if you, if you talk about standardization, that's the easiest uh, form uh, or easiest space to play in to standardize things because just like with any urban development uh, project, you, know, you have to meet certain regulations, you have to meet uh, certain requirements to, to live up to those particular codes. And it just, it just sets up the market well um, to see rapid expansion relative to, let's say, the consumer vehicle space, which t requires a lot of other elements in play before, before you reach uh, that level of growth uh, that you're expecting. Amazing. Well, I love the breakdowns. I love the EV market. I've learned so much from reading them. My next question in terms of equity breakdown is what other higher level markets are you thinking about going into? Are you really interested in energy as a whole? Are you, I don't know, taking it to food, agriculture? What, what's, what's the next big puzzle that you're going to try to break down? Yeah. So I was actually inspired a lot, uh, by, uh, Kathy Wood's, uh, open research investment. And I don't know if you've had the opportunity to read, uh, her big ideas, uh, PowerPoint, but I'd recommend it. Uh, I actually posted it on one of the EV breakdowns uh, I had, uh, and she goes, so she, she believes in thematic investing. Um, but the way that they do their research is very unique because they make it public to everyone in terms of how they think about their processes and they go through various technological trends. So you have, you know, 3D printing is a big one that's coming up. Artificial intelligence, autonomous driving, uh, EVs specifically, um, drones as well too, uh, and then the space industry as well. And personally, it's hard to build a level of confidence in all of those fields. Uh, so, but I also have that aching desire to also understand a good portion of those fields. Uh, but before I do any of that, I'd like to, you know, always do my own due diligence and and really hone in. So uh, I haven't revealed this out yet specifically to everyone, but my goal is um, I'll build a level of competency uh, specifically when it comes to climate change. And another uh, field that I really enjoy is the space industry. Uh, so uh, there's very few uh, analysts out there that I've seen that are uh, very detailed in that particular environment. So I wanna build a strong level of understanding there. Um, and then, with everything else, uh, I will try to learn as much as I can, but I'm going to leave it up to experts uh, participate and helping me gain that knowledge uh, within the community that we're building with Equity Breakdown uh, to allow us to uh, work together in building uh, more simplistic breakdowns of companies with their knowledge. So as an example, if I want to do a breakdown on the AI industry, I'll certainly read to get intellectual carry intellectual conversations uh, so I can I can feel like we're carrying some value together but the majority of the value is going to come from the individuals that I will interview uh, as bringing the insights that are since they're experts in that industry and then translating that in its simplistic super breakdowns in the future um, but that's the way that's the trajectory I'm thinking of and space has always been something that's fascinated uh, me since I was a child as well uh, I don't know if you remember uh, the movie October Sky. Mm -mm. It's, a, it's a pretty old movie, uh, and the main actor is uh, uh, the original one. The original actor in Spider Man. Uh, I, oh, I think it is. No, it's not him. It's I forget the actor, but uh, it talks about how they build uh, just a small group of uh, kids from a coal mining town, uh, get them get excited uh, to uh, build rockets. And, uh, and then, of course, they, they end up uh, within NASA and, uh, towards the end of the movie. But it's one of those things like this is a fascinating period of history we're in. And I'd love to learn as much as possible. And at the end of the day, nothing is stopping us from learning this information. Uh, it's all out there. And it, it all depends on how much you want to 
jump in and, and, and gravitate towards that knowledge and just suck in and, and produce at the end of the day. So that's what excites me more, more about it. Yes. You just opened up a can of worms by talking to me about space. I've been <laughs> a space junkie since I was a little kid as well. For some reason, I was just always... I think it's because I'm so much older than all of my cousins. My parents had me really, really young. And so I was just, I had my little sister, but I spent way too much of my childhood by myself skateboarding and like parking lots and stuff. So um spent a lot of time just looking up at the stars. And um, so the opportunities with space are fascinating because there's so much that we can do. And then there's so much that we can't do. And then there's so many problems we can cause by trying to do it. And For sure. One of them, um, it's escaping my mind right now, which is a shame because I was just reading about it the other day. The more shit we put into space, the more little, little tiny pieces of space junk happen, which doesn't sound like a big deal, but you got to understand a little tiny piece of paint chip that's flying around the earth at 17,000 miles a second will blow through you know, a $2 billion satellite or even like a spaceship. I remember seeing a picture of the little tiny chip of paint hit a basically like grenade proof piece of glass on a spaceship and went through it a couple inches. So I forget what it's called where um, there's so much shit in space that we can't get anything out there anymore, which basically means that we lose our entire satellite grid. Do, do you know what that's, what's called something effect? I, I don't know the specific term, but I'm certainly familiar with, I've certainly read articles and familiar with the whole concept of just creating all the, all, all the space, uh, a degree that, that specifically with dead satellites and everything else that can come around that we put up there. So I don't remember the exact term behind it, honestly. Yeah, me neither. So have you read about any fascinating companies that are approaching that problem? Or is the majority of the industry just about getting more shit out there? And like, what do we talk about? Asteroid mining? Are we talking about pictures? I've even read stuff because with climate change, there's like a really, really big fear that we're going to lose clouds which is just going to keep compounding in it. So I've, I've read crazy articles about ideas about synthetic clouds that we can create by putting them in the atmosphere. What's, what's the uh, particular niche that really has your attention? Yeah. So uh, specifically on my end, uh, you know, when it comes to understanding and, and, and various different concepts that I've read. So, uh, you have the concept of whether it's just uh, space tourism is one element yeah. of just uh, experiencing the, the idea of being in space. And I did a breakdown on Virgin Galactic um, uh, early on in the stage. And, and that really excited me because uh, it, it just, it, it, it's the first step to bringing awareness of individuals to think beyond uh, just their local communities and uh, the physical world uh, on land that we live in and really appreciate the planetary component of it. So that like gives you, explores that awareness behind it. And then from an industrial component, uh, I mean, like you said, you know, mining is uh, asteroid mining, who knows the potentials in terms of the, the resources that can come from there and what um, metals come out of that, um, and, and to, that we can certainly then bring back, back on earth that could, could be beneficial, um, which, you know, the building industry in itself could require uh, requires a, a certain uh, shift, especially with the amount of concrete that we build, uh, our, right? Um, so those components could offer additional materials that could change that in the future. Um, energy, I've read uh, articles uh, in terms of nuclear fusion. Um, so we've been successful at nu nuclear fission with the atomic bomb, but the fusion component is about building unlimited amount of energy. And there's some interesting companies trying to tackle that. And I think, you know, Whoever accomplishes that will certainly just transform society uh, forever. And uh, they, were they were thinking about building that on top of the moon uh, once you establish good moon bases as well, too. So great, crazy stuff like that. Um, or 3D printing of, of organs, uh, apparently printing organs uh, without the component of gravity uh, has a lot of uh, potential benefits. Uh, and, uh, and, and it creates some ease there um, from just high level of what I've read and bringing those back uh, to uh, back, back on earth. So a lot of challenges with all those, I can't even imagine to begin with, but that's what excites me the most about it. Um, and, and then looping it back to what you mentioned, the recycling component and creating all that junk, I think 
just like with any uh, innovation, I, people are striving hard to be there first. Yeah. And they're, they're striving hard to, to build that infrastructure. Um, but I think, especially now that as we're coming, becoming more aware of climate change uh, and the way that we should be building in a very holistic way um, and not uh, destroying in our wake of building, uh, and, uh, and I think people will take that into consideration, um, and with a, a appropriate, you know, uh, oversight that needs to happen because the last thing you need is to wake up and, uh, and then you, you see the beauty that nature has created, uh, and then you're unable to appreciate that because of all the other man-made objects we've created to destroy it. Um, but, uh, I don't know. We'll see how that evolves. And hopefully as I dig in with my research, uh, something uh, can certainly come up with it because I think it's a great solution. And it could be a potentially strong company that focuses on, on making sure spaces, uh, at least within our, uh, within our sphere of influence on earth, uh, to make sure our atmosphere is clean. It's a couple of times within your writing and within speaking, and you've given me a lot of time so far. I won't keep you so much longer. I really appreciate it. But it sounds like the preservation of Earth and society is something that's important to you. Yeah, it's, it, and it stems from uh, personal upbringing as well, coming from, uh, from my country in Albania. And, uh, it's a beautiful country. Uh, and uh, you're blessed with all, all, the, all elements uh, and all seasons of nature there. And it's the size of Maryland. So you can, you're going to have the Swiss Alp uh, experience. Uh, and then you can have the Miami Beach experience as well, too, all in a span of four hours. And then you see how that can certainly transform if it's not taken care of. Um, it, it can, it, why, why destroy those treasures? And I think, um, especially with the way that I view investing, coming back to our original uh, question of when you ask, hey, how do you see investing? Uh, you know, at the end of the day, as investors, I think people should be uh, – willing to understand the power they have. And when you're investing in something, you want to be investing in something that also produces uh, a, a positive output uh, on top of generating wealth. And I think you can find the right balance behind that. And I think it'll be important moving forward for as we, as we think about how we want to be as a planetary species uh, versus uh, just looking at our own world uh, and our own five mile radius of community that, that we've uh, been raised in. So. I don't know, man, it, it opens up a lot of beautiful things and uh, a lot of opportunities for, for us to learn and, and also as a society to build, uh, to build a better future than we have before. And I think that's what drives us uh, to wake up every day as well, too. I agree totally. And I think this is like a, a really perfect place to wrap this up because one of the reasons why I enjoyed your writing so much and this is like a personal philosophy of mine and I don't want to preach to you by any means, but for all the, all the possible things that can go wrong with capitalism, right? When I think about investing and when I think about, like I said before, the individual responsibility and how as individuals, we have power to put our resources into the world that we want to see in the future. And I spent a lot of time just being anxious and worried about like, what are we doing? You know, what are we creating? Like, I, I got a kid coming soon, right? Like, what kind of world are we going to be in another 100 years? And then I do get a sense of optimism when I start to see, okay, the power of public markets has, by and large, created massive wealth across the world you know like there's people suffering obviously but starvation levels are nothing like they were even 100 years ago right. we don't die of smallpox anymore right we don't die of basically anything an infected cut right 100 years ago like you're just dead you get an infected cut and so i see the power of public markets and the general force of people investing into the world that they want to see in the future. And I just have a good feeling, and this is nothing but an emotion and a feeling, but I have a good feeling that people like you and I, people of our age bracket are seeing what, you know, let's call them the boomers did with just this blind spending energy. Let's burn it all. We can have anything we want and start to put resources and capital into public markets that, are sustainable and can create a better future for us all. And so 
I get that sense of optimism with your writing, even though it's like as statistically based as possible. <laughs> but you know, like when you read these things, you start to see yourself like, wow, we really can have a public infrastructure of transportation that doesn't require us to fuck everything up in yeah. the in the way. And um, and so I, 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 capitalism and public markets in a really really weird way give me a sense of optimism of like a better future. I uh, couldn't agree with you more on that front. And it's, uh, it, you know, at the end of the day, as human beings, we have our psychology uh, and you know, we're, we're unique creatures in the fact that uh, we can be selfish at, at many times, but the reason we've succeeded in surviving for so long, uh, and as you, you all know, uh, presented in uh, his book, like uh, Homo sapiens, is the fact that we have the ability to, to collectively work together and, uh, and utilize technology in whatever form it comes, even from the simplest tools we built built until now, uh, and in a way that other species haven't been able to do, and it's made us who we are. And I think as we build, leverage the tools we created, the institutions we created to foster innovation and science. And if we keep those consistently, uh, the future is always going to be bright. I think uh, in totality, Every, it's never perfect, but uh, certainly will be better than. Uh, than yesterday, I think. So at the end of the day, it's, uh, it's an exciting time. It's an exciting time for all of us too, man. Like think about what we're doing now uh, and what in the past was so very difficult to do just to, just to get on, share some knowledge uh, and, uh, and experiences and build relationships all over a small social platform, uh, a camera and, a, and two microphones. And, uh, and we're all trying now to just share our insights in a world that is evolving drastically. So it seems uh, seems pretty good to me, and I think uh, pretty hopeful for uh, for years to come. I am too. I appreciate that. It's always good to meet other people, so that you know, it's like, is everybody else crazy or am I crazy? And like, it's probably a combination of both. But either way, it's yeah. good to relate, man. Well, um, we went well over time. I really, really appreciate your conversation. I just had such a good Thank feeling. You. I was eating breakfast with my wife earlier. I was like, man, I'm so excited for this podcast. I can't wait to talk to this kid. So um, <laughs> so I really appreciate it. As soon as this bullshit is over, um, I'm definitely on my way to Texas. I look forward to getting a cup of coffee and meeting you in person. And By all means. Touch. By all means, Tim, thank you for the invite, bud. Uh, also, congratulations on your uh, soon-to-be, uh, uh, is it a daughter or, or, or a boy? We don't know. We're doing uh, Perfect. The surprise is even better. Yeah. We're <laughs> doing real Congratulations. Hipsters. Wishing you guys only the best on that front. I know it's a pretty exciting uh, journey as well. So. Yeah, thank you. Um, thank you, yeah. Oh, shit. Okay, so let's wrap this thing up, though. Equitybreakdown.substack.com. Yeah. Twitter. Um, I'll post all of this in the show notes. You can find it. Um, I mean, <laughs> your name's c- kind of hard for people to get. So I'll do, it'll be timstods.com slash equity breakdown. Um, that'll be that the works. show notes of the conversation. Igli Lachi is the Twitter. Uh, look forward to it, man. Thank you so much for your time. Perfect. And thank you. Wishing you all the best as well. See ya. Hey guys, it's me. It's Tim. One last time before we wrap up, just wanted to say thank you for tuning into the podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes. Please leave me an honest rating. Please follow me on Spotify. It's the best thing you can do to support the show. If you want to find out more, go to timstods.com. Feel free to fill out the contact form to reach out to me personally. I always respond. I appreciate you guys so much. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one.